0: This is the Rick Edelman Show. Barron's ranks Edelman Financial Engines the number one independent investment advisor in the country. And Rick is in the Barron's Financial Advisor Hall of Fame. Now, here's Rick Edelman.
1: A very happy weekend to you. Welcome to the Rick Edelman Show. We've got news out of Europe this week. The European Central Bank says inflation in the Eurozone last month rose at the fastest pace in 13 years. Ah! In fact, it's even worse in Germany. In September, 4.1% inflation in that month alone, the highest in 29 years. (laughs) God, are kidding me? European gas prices are up 23%. That's a record high. And this is a problem not just in Europe, here in the U.S. as well. Gasoline prices, as you have no doubt noticed, are at their highest levels. But you know, highest since 2014. So, yeah, we're beginning to see the real pocketbook implications of this inflation issue. We're having to wait and see if this inflation thing is going to continue or whether it's going to settle down. Nobody knows for sure, and there's a lot of debate about that in economic circles. Meanwhile, you heard the story last month about Evergrande. This is a huge real estate developer in China, which defaulted on some bonds. Now there's a company called Fantasia, a mid-sized real estate developer in China, Three weeks ago, Fantasia told investors it had no liquidity issue. Everything's fine. That was three weeks ago. This past week, they defaulted on a $200 million bond. S&P has downgraded the company to triple C. That is junk bond status. Now, this is a particular issue in China because in China, most of the wealth in the country is housing wealth. 78% of all the people in China have their money in real estate. 78% of the wealth in real estate. That's very different from the United States and other countries where we have less than half as much of our wealth in real estate. Just take a look at your own net worth, your own portfolio. Compare the size of your real estate, what's the value of your house, to the value of your 401k and other investments. Real estate is a big part of your total net worth, but it isn't 78% of your net worth, most likely, the way that it is in China. So if there's a big problem with real estate developers in China, that has a huge impact on the individuals living in China, and if they run into a massive recession as a result of this, their reduced spending will have an impact on companies all around the world who sell to Chinese residents. So we're going to have to see how that plays out. Meanwhile, the Chinese government has made an amazing order of all of the state-owned energy companies, all the companies in China that produce energy, coal, electricity, and oil companies. They have been ordered by the government of China to secure whatever supplies they need to enable them to continue operating throughout the winter and to do so, quote, at all costs. Meaning, the Chinese are afraid that there are going to be climate problems this winter. They want to make sure they don't go dark, and they're telling their energy companies to do whatever it takes to stock up with supplies. If those companies follow suit, and it's reasonable to assume they will, after all, they are government-owned companies with the government officials telling them to do this, that means they're going to be scarfing up a lot of raw material. What's that going to do to the prices of those materials? What's it going to do to the supply availability of those materials and the resulting impact on other energy companies around the rest of the world? Could that have an implication on availability and pricing leading to yet further complications with inflation? We're going to have to wait and see. Let's bring the subject a little bit closer to home now. Gary Gensler, the chairman of the Securities and Exchange Commission, has just made a comment about a potential system-wide risk to our economy. What was he talking about? He's talking about a product that I've been expressing concern about on this show for more than a decade. These products are called leveraged and inverse ETFs. What are they? You need to make sure you know so that you can stay away from these investments. You know what an ETF is. It looks and acts a lot like a mutual fund. You put your money into the ETF, which is, by the way, short for exchange-traded fund. You put your money into it. The fund manager buys a bunch of stocks for you. Or if it's a bond fund, it buys a bunch of bonds for you. Pretty simple, pretty easy. Whatever money you put into the fund, you own a pro rata share of it. If the fund pays dividends, you get your share of the dividends. As the fund grows in value, you get your share of those profits. If it loses value, you suffer those losses as well. There's nothing new or exciting or terribly controversial about ETFs. In fact, they're among the most popular investment products out there in the marketplace. We use them routinely here at Edelman Financial Engines, and I think it's safe to say a very large portion of financial advisors nationwide do as well because they're simple, easy to use, they're low in cost, they're generally tax-efficient. What's not to love? But what is a leveraged ETF? This is an ETF that borrows money to buy even more investments. In other words, if you put $1,000 into your ETF, the ETF's going to go buy $1,000 worth of stocks. But with a leveraged ETF, if you give them $1,000, dollars they're going to go borrow 500 more. Now they're buying $1,500 worth of stocks. If the stocks rise, the profits are exaggerated. Everybody's happy. But if the stocks fall in value, the losses are exaggerated as well. And then there are inverse ETFs. These are stock funds that rise in value if the stock market falls. They work In inverse, meaning in the opposite way. So you're buying this because you're predicting that the stock market's going to fall. You're actually hoping that the stock market falls. Because if the stock market goes down, you actually make money. If the stock market goes up, you lose money. And get this, some inverse ETFs use leverage. They do both. So they're exaggerating their gamble in a very big way. And Gary Gensler, this past week, said that these products pose system-wide risks to our entire economy. Right now, these funds hold a total of $112 billion worth of assets. He's concerned, and I share this concern, that many of the retail investors who are buying these funds really don't understand the level of risks that they're taking. They don't even understand how they work. I'll give you this one, for example. If you buy an inverse ETF, meaning you're making a bet that the stock market's going to go down instead of up, what is the holding period that you're supposed to use when buying that investment? If you buy an inverse ETF, how long are you supposed to hold it? You might be shocked to discover that the intended holding period, according to the sponsors of these products, is $1. Well, you say we try that one again, huh? <laughs> this is really how they're meant to work. These are meant to be a daily bet on the market. It's not that you're predicting that over the next few months the stock market might fall. You have to be making a bet for a specific day. If you don't sell it at the end of the day that you've bought it, you're compounding your level of risk exponentially in the fund. So I'm concerned, as is the chair of the SEC, that many investors don't realize how these investments work. They're not familiar with the fees, the risks, and they are therefore setting themselves up for failure. And when these investments move in the wrong direction, if that, in fact, ultimately occurs, Gary Gensler is concerned that there could be a run on those investments, causing adverse implication for the overall marketplace. The message to you is very clear. Do not invest in leveraged ETFs or inverse ETFs. And if somebody suggests to you that you buy them, go get a second opinion from somebody else to make sure you understand how they work and you can determine how they fit into your overall portfolio if they belong there at all. And finally, are you having a problem with your investments? Are they giving you a problem? Gambling addiction hotlines now say they're getting calls from day traders. Slot machine-style graphics, leaderboards, lists of popular stocks on mobile apps, prompts, animations, rewards, all this is turning investing into online sports betting. The National Council on Problem Gambling says, quote, The line between gambling and investing has almost been completely erased. They call it the Robin Hood effect named for the online app that allows people to buy stocks commission-free. 1-800-GAMBLER. The helpline says they're getting a 50% increase in the number of calls related to day trading ever since the start of the pandemic. Robinhood's app rewards customers with falling confetti digitally. When you execute trades, you get emoji stars and high-five symbols. You do a trade, you're prompted with a smiley face to do another trade. You need to watch out, and if you're having an issue, you should contact 1-800-GAMBLER or the National Council on Problem Gambling. I'm Rick Edelman. You're listening to The Truth About Money. 888-PLAN-RICK is our telephone number. That's 888-752-6742. If you need help managing your personal finances during these tumultuous, uncertain times, give us a call or visit us online at ricedelman.com.
0: the author of the number one national bestseller, The Truth About Retirement Plans and IRAs. Coming up on The Rick Edelman Show.
1: Welcome back to the Rick Edelman Show. I am very excited. Gene and I had a really big week this past week. It was the groundbreaking for the Gene and Rick Edelman Fossil Park Museum. We've been working on this project uh, since 2016, and we're really excited about it. After years of design and development, we are at the stage now, we've we've got world-class architects who have built some of the most prestigious museums in the world. We have landscape architects who are just brilliant at the work that they do, and we are now at the stage of we're ready to begin construction. And we're really, really excited about this. The uh, Gina Rick Edelman Fossil Park is at Rowan University. Rowan University is in South Jersey. A fossil park in New Jersey. Yeah, it sounds kind of crazy, but believe it or not, the very first dinosaur ever discovered wasn't in Chile, it wasn't in China, it wasn't in the Arctic, and it wasn't in Montana or North Dakota's Badlands. The very first dinosaur ever discovered in the 1850s was in Haddonfield, New Jersey. Farmers plowing their crops came upon some bones of an animal they couldn't identify, shipped those bones off to London, where they were ultimately identified as an entirely new species, ancient new species, and that began the paleontology era that we've been enjoying ever since. Why would there be fossils like this in New Jersey? Well, it's a big, long explanation. Basically, everything east of the Mississippi was underwater during the Cretaceous period. So you find dinosaurs where there's desert, because fossils are just found sitting around on the ground. But New Jersey is full of vegetation, trees everywhere, which makes it hard to find fossils. But there's a quarry in South Jersey that has been there for 100 years, and as they've dug down, they have discovered fossils. And in this fossil park, it's unique in the world. 65-acre park, a quarry containing millions of fossils from the Cretaceous period, 66 million years old, vertebrae, teeth, and other bones of mosasaurs, prehistoric creatures that were swimming through the seas where South Jersey now is. And so Jane and I have provided the funding to enable them to build this project The total project is $73 million. The museum is going to feature interactive galleries and exhibits filled with dinosaur skeletons and life-size replicas. It's 44,000 square feet all told. A cove crawling with land and sea creatures. The complex will have trails, a playground, an event space, a theater, a virtual reality chamber where you'll wear goggles and vests as you go on a journey into the world as it was during the Cretaceous era. You'll even feel the heat and wind thanks to haptic technology you'll be wearing. And you'll be able to dig for fossils. And whatever you find, you get to take home. Two weeks ago, they found an intact three-foot-wide turtle. They earlier found a 27-foot crocodile, the largest ever found. We're expecting this to be a major economic engine for the entire South Jersey region, drawing 200,000 visitors a year from all over the world. The museum's going to use solar and geothermal energy, be the state's biggest zero-net carbon building, and, of course, a 2,000-square-foot gift shop. We're very excited about the Gene and Rick Edelman Fossil Park Museum, now under construction, and we're hoping to have it completed by Memorial Day weekend 2023. You can check it out online at Rowan University. I'm Rick Edelman. Every week, I like to bring you the latest and greatest in exponential technologies. Yeah, we're going to shift from the Cretaceous-era right into the 21st century. One big subject everybody spends a lot of time looking at are electric cars and self-driving cars. Here's what's going on in those areas. Lucid Technologies is a alternative to Tesla, a competitor. And they're beginning to deliver their electric cars for the first time. This month, deliveries are going out. They have a couple of different versions. Their entry-level car is $77,000. Their big-deal premier sedan, $169,000. According to the EPA, it has a 520-mile range, 13,000 orders so far for their vehicles. They're reaching the streets beginning this month, and uh, pretty exciting stuff. Uh, Tesla, they need to be worried about it? I would say Yes. Walmart is getting into the driverless car scenario. They're launching a new delivery service powered by driverless cars. Ford Escapes, outfitted with self-driving software from Argo. They're making these cars available in Austin, Miami, and the Washington, D.C. metro area. The cars for now will have humans inside for safety, but they are driverless, they are automated vehicles, and Walmart is using them to deliver their products after you've placed your online order. But hey, let's face it, self-driving cars really are not here yet, we're all anxiously waiting, or maybe fretting (laughs) the day that they're coming, Um, but what do you do in between? Well, a Berlin company has figured this out, the company is called Wey. And they're working on a new kind of an approach. It's called teledrivers. People driving cars without actually being inside them. Remote drivers. Teledrivers sit at stations that look like an arcade game, complete with steering wheel, pedals, and monitors that give them a 360-degree view. You call they, just like you would call Uber or Lyft, the car shows up empty. Nobody's in it. It's operated by a teledriver. They're planning to launch their business in Europe and the U.S. in early 2022, just a few months away. I mean, we're using drone technology already, right? Air Force pilots are sitting in a cubicle somewhere operating a drone that's flying a continent away. Why would this be any different? And here's a fun one in the conversation of vaccines. Did I say fun and vaccine in the same sentence? You know what a big objection is that a lot of people have about the vaccines? I'm not talking about COVID particularly. I mean any vaccine. It's the needle. A lot of folks hate needles. Well, at Stanford and the University of North Carolina, they have just created a 3D printed patch. It's a vaccine patch. You slap it on your arm, no more shots. And according to their research... It's 10 times more effective at delivering the vaccine than the needle is. Pretty soon, we're not going to need needles for the delivery of drugs. Pretty cool. And robots are coming to your home. Amazon is doing test sales of its home robot called Astro. Two feet tall, 20 pounds, a 10-inch touchscreen, sensors, cameras, and microphones that can carry up to five pounds, and it's going to retail for $1,000. So, we're seeing a lot of advances in the field of robotics, AI, optics, all of the technologies needed to make self driving vehicles and robots and drones available at the retail consumer level. And this is just a tiny little picture of what's going on in the field of exponential technologies. And so, to give you a deeper dive on what it means for you and your personal finances, your investment strategy, your future. A new webinar that we've just created debuts this coming Tuesday, October 19th. You can sign up for free at com. That's ricedelman.com. You can choose from attending at 3 p.m. or 8 p.m. And I'm going to show you what's going on in the field of artificial intelligence, robotics, 3D printing, big data, nanotech, biotech, bioinformatics, medicine, and neuroscience. We're going to take a close look at the challenges that our country is facing today with social security, the federal debt, rising taxes, and how these exponential technologies are going to pave the way to a solution for us going forward. So I encourage you to watch the webinar that I've just produced, The Truth About Your Future, based on my New York Times best-selling book. It's this Tuesday, October 19th, 3 p.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern. Register online right now. For free at ricedelman.com.
0: More with the publisher of the newsletter Inside Personal Finance coming up on The Rick Edelman Show.
1: Let's take a phone call here on The Rick Edelman Show off to Geneva, Illinois in Chicagoland. Ken is on the air with us. How you doing, Ken? I'm doing just fine, Rick. How are you today? Terrific. Thanks so much for calling. How can I help you? Well, first of all, I want to thank uh, you for
2: so many years on your radio program and also to wish uh, you and Gene the best of uh, luck going forward. I know it's going to be more than luck in, in your future endeavors and I look forward to seeing just... How uh, things have uh, progress in this next phase of your career.
1: I appreciate that very much, Ken. We'll have some exciting announcements uh, in a couple of weeks from now. But um, I thank you so much. I really appreciate that. So stay tuned for more. Meantime, what can I do for you today?
2: Well, um, I was uh, recently contacted by my um, uh, by, by Bank, Vanguard Financial, where I have uh, my investments. And uh, they're soliciting me to get involved in um, uh, possibly uh, private equity uh, investing. I've uh, got sufficient assets that uh, would qualify me for being uh, uh, able to participate in this kind of a private equity fund. Uh, Minimum minimum requirement is an investment of $500,000. And um, you know there are a lot of uh, questions that I have about um, you know the uh, long-term commitment on this and the higher fees and uh, potential uh, uh, calls for more uh, more equity and such. So I, I, I have read, I don't think I've ever really heard you address that very much on your pr- uh, on your program. And wonder if you could give us uh, me and other listeners your insights and uh, whether or not you know Edelman Financial uh, has any uh, advises any. Of it's wealthier clients to possibly uh, get involved in private equity.
1: Uh, sure. Uh, you're right. I don't talk about private equity here on the program uh, much at all. Um, but um, let me give you some background on it. I'm a fan of private equity. Uh, that should be as no surprise since uh, our firm, Edelman Financial Engines, is now majority owned by private equity firms. We have three, in fact, private equity partners in our firm. And we've had uh, private equity partners since 2005. Uh, so I was very early in uh, welcoming private equity into our lives. And uh, I'm a big fan of private equity investments, so Gene and I personally own some private equity funds. It is, as you noted, only for accredited investors. This means people who have uh, $200,000 or more in income, 300000 if you're married, uh, and an expectation that you're going to continue that income or a million dollars worth of investments excluding your home. So it is only for wealthy, affluent individuals, uh, which is why I generally don't talk about it a lot on the show because this is a broad-based radio show, not merely a show for the, the very wealthiest. The advantage of private equity is that there is a problem in the overall equity markets. The problem is decreasing availability. You know, back if we go 10, 15 years ago, there were about 7,000 publicly traded stocks in the United States. Today, there's about half that number, about 3,500. Many companies that were publicly traded have gone private. Private equity firms, that's why they get their name, have bought these companies and taken them private. My company used to be publicly traded. uh, And when we did a merger with Financial Engines, they used to be publicly traded. We bought them, merged the two of our companies together, and took them private. So whereas investors used to be able to invest in Edelman Financial and in financial engines, public investors, ordinary uh, mutual fund buyers and so on can't do that anymore because we're now privately held by a private equity firm. The reason that this trend has occurred Oh, there are a lot of reasons uh, i 'll give you a few. One is that companies have a changing need for capital in the old days. Companies went public because they needed access to the capital markets. They needed the money to grow their business, build factories, engage in r and d sell products, etc. Today, you don't need to go to the public markets to get capital the way that you used to. Now there's ample availability of capital in the private markets through either borrowing or from selling some of your equity in the private marketplace. So you don't need to go public anymore in that regard. You also have a new set of federal regulations, such as Sarbanes-Oxley, which are very burdensome. I remember 10 years ago when we were a publicly traded company, we were spending over $2 million a year In legal and accounting expenses to comply with Sarbanes-Oxley. It wasn't doing our company any good. It wasn't improving the safety of our clients or our investors. It was just legal regulatory obligation. And by going private, we saved ourselves millions of dollars a year. So a lot of companies are motivated to go private simply because of the burden of being public. And then there's another problem, which everybody is very familiar with. When you're a publicly traded company, Wall Street wants you to give your financial results on a quarterly basis. And they want to know, what are you doing over the next three months that's going to raise the stock price? Well, it's hard to make a long-term financial decision that's going to take years to develop when Wall Street demands quarterly results. By being private we don't have to worry about it because our private equity partners are in it for the long term. They recognize they're making a multi-year investment of five or 10 years and they're being patient about it. And that allows us to be more strategic long term. We're willing to spend money today without an immediate ROI, an immediate return on investment, because we know in the long run it'll pay off for our clients and for employees and yes, for our shareholders, the private equity partners. So those are just some of the reasons why private equity has grown up in this business and why I'm a fan of it. Because wouldn't it be great if we had bought Microsoft back when it went public? When Microsoft went public, it raised $61 million. And look at what Microsoft is worth today. But when Facebook went public, it was already worth $100 billion. In other words, Facebook went public to cash out. The private equity investors, which means ordinary investors are losing out on the opportunity to get in on the ground floor when a company is young and new and has the future ahead of it. And that's an opportunity you have when you invest in a private equity fund. Private equity companies buy young companies with the goal of holding them for many years, using their own expertise to assist the company in management and finance and marketing, etc., to help the company grow. And this is an opportunity, unfortunately, only available to wealthier Americans. And this is why there's interest in private equity. It's also why there's movement to allow private equity funds to be an option inside your 401k plan. Letting all workers everywhere have access to private equity. I think it's a wonderful opportunity and a wonderful idea. It's riskier, no question about it. It's more expensive, no question about it. And it takes a lot longer, no question about it. You mentioned all three of those, and let me elaborate so everybody knows. When you invest in a private equity fund, the time horizon is typically 7 to 10 years. No liquidity in the meantime. So you really need to know that the money you're giving them is money you are absolutely positively not going to need over the next 10 years. That's not easy for a lot of people to handle. Second, the risks are much higher, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Third, the fees are much higher. Instead of a, an exchange-traded fund that has a, you know, an annual cost of 20 basis points, meaning 0.2% per year, Private equity funds often have a fee of what's called 2 and 20. They charge 2% per year plus 20% of the profits. That's a huge fee. They get away with it because they're promising really big returns to their investors. There's no certainty you're going to get those returns, but the fee schedule is definitely what you're going to get. So it's expensive and it's of long time horizon. And then there's the issue of risk. And here's the big thing that you've really, really... Absolutely, got to understand, Ken. When you buy a mutual fund or an ETF, you can put money into that fund today. You can put money into it next week and next year. The fund is the fund is the fund. It's not really going to change. It's the same manager of the fund with the same investment strategy, or ordinarily buying many of the same companies time after time after time. But that's not what a private equity fund is. A PE fund is more like wine. And wine has a different vintage. And you can go get the same bottle of wine from the same winemaker, but if they're different years, you're going to have different results. Because we know that the performance of wine varies year to year based on the weather and based on the harvest and a whole lot of other factors. The same is true with private equity funds. If you go into somebody's private equity fund, they're going to buy a specific number of companies and specific individual companies. The next fund they launch... In a few years from now, we'll have a completely different roster of companies in a completely different economic environment. So there are no two private equity funds alike, even when they're issued from the same private equity firm. And that means you're taking a big risk when you're buying a single private equity fund. It's like buying a single bottle of wine. What you need to do to do it better is the same thing you do with the rest of your investments. Diversify. And that means owning a variety of private equity funds, which you obtain over a series of years. Don't buy five equity funds all in October of 2021 because you're going to have the same economic environment for all of them. Spread them out over a period of years so that you get different economic circumstances at the time that you're doing these. And that means you're not going to buy one fund. You're going to buy five or 10 of them. And if they're each a half a million dollars, you're now spending $5 bucks, So be careful as you approach private equity. You can't approach it the way that you approach mutual funds or exchange-traded funds. It's a totally different beast. The potential for reward is high, but that's only because the risks are very high as well. So be very careful. And I would simply say this. If you weren't ordinarily thinking of buying private equity and somebody solicited you, The mutual fund company that you have an account with gave you a call because they know you're a wealthy guy with a lot of money in your account, and they're therefore offering this to you. Well, just be careful about buying something from the fellow who's trying to sell it to you. You might want to shop around to alternative products from alternative companies that are focused solely on private equity, as opposed to a mutual fund company that, oh, by the way, has a private equity fund. So give that all some thought.
2: Well, that, that's all terrific. Um, that's just what I was looking for, Rick. And uh, you not only met, but exceeded my high expectations, as always.
1: Ken, I really appreciate your phone call. Glad you found it helpful, and I do wish you the very best. That was Ken in Geneva, Illinois, here on the Rick Edelman Show. You can do what he did. Give me a call, 888-PLAN-RICK, or visit online at riceedelman.com.
0: Of the number one bestseller, Rescue Your Money, coming up on The Rick Edelman Show.
1: Welcome back to The Rick Edelman Show. There has been a very interesting announcement released this week, very uncommon. FINRA the NASAA, and the SEC have all issued a joint communique to the American public. FINRA is the top regulator of stockbrokers and brokerage firms, the SEC, of course, the top regulator of the financial markets and investment advisors, and the NASAA, the North American Securities Administrators Association, the regulators of the state's across the country. The three of them have just issued a communique to all American investors. And I want you to know what it is. The three agencies are urging investors to establish a trusted contact. What is that? Well, when you open an account with a brokerage firm, you do so as an individual, an individual account, or you do it as a joint account with a spouse, perhaps. Maybe it's a trust account or IRA account, but the account is yours. And under federal law, nobody can say anything to anyone about it. So if you're our client and we have an account that we're managing on your behalf, the only person we can talk to about that account is you. We can't even tell anyone else that the account exists, other than the regulators, that is. But if your account is in your name only, and your spouse calls us on the phone to ask about it, we can't even acknowledge that the account exists. If a child calls or other relative, a creditor, doesn't matter. We're not allowed to tell anybody anything about the account unless you give us permission to do so. But what happens if you become incapacitated? What happens if we try to call you on the phone to talk to you about your account, and we try repeatedly, and for some strange reason, we're unable to reach you, which is very out of character for you? What if we observe activity in your account that is unusual? You are suddenly making a lot of withdrawals, and that is also uncharacteristic of you because we know you so well. And we try to talk to you about this, and you dismiss us. You tell us not to worry. You tell us it's none of our business. What if we become concerned that you're under the influence of a scam artist who's trying to convince you that there's some get-rich-quick scheme available? What if there's a so-called love interest who is using romance to persuade you to helping them out? What if there is something going on You need to establish a trusted contact. You need to give us the name of someone in your family, maybe your doctor or lawyer, who we can call on your behalf if we think something is going wrong. We strongly encourage you, FINRA, the NASAA, and the SEC, strongly encourage you to establish a trusted contact with your financial advisor. If you haven't done it yet, do so right now i'm rick edelman you're listening to the truth about money time now for everybody's favorite segment of the week a visit by my wife jean edelman jean co-founder here at edelman financial engines a degree in consumer economics and nutrition expert in macrobiotic cooking
3: hey jean Hello, everyone. It is wonderful to be with you today, as always, to share. We had a very exciting weekend with our Fossil Park groundbreaking. And I wanted just to share the speech that I gave at the opening because it's just so humbling and so amazing that two kids from Glassboro State College could be creating a museum that is going to be pretty impactful and change the landscape of Southern New Jersey. Anyway, I believe that, you know, there are moments in our life where we kind of throw pebbles into the pond. And my first pebble was when I walked onto the campus of Glassboro State College in September of 1977. And on that very first day on campus, I met my best friend and beloved husband, Rick. And move fast forward to 1986 when we The two of us threw a rock into the water and we created our amazing company that here we are 36 years later, still helping families learn about money and come up with plans and create plans for their retirement and kids getting to school and and parents, being able to take care of their parents. And so we went from a pebble to a rock. Just impact in in so many lives, and then this past weekend, I think we threw a boulder into the pond, and this museum is just going to be so wonderful. And there's so many pieces to it that maybe you don't want to go dig for fossils, but maybe you want to come and birdwatch or run a five k or just you know, go on to the playground. There's just so many layers where we can bring people in the community and the world together to do research and learn about our world 60 million years ago. And so all of us, we have opportunities to throw pebbles and rocks and boulders into the pond and ripple out positive and impact and affecting people's lives. And I just want to remind each of us that we all have that opportunity and no one person is is any more special than the rest and we're all here to to help each other and be here for each other with gratitude and kindness and if nothing else this project this past weekend showed that you know three kids Rick, me and Dr. Ken Lockeavera who is the lead on this project he is the world's leading paleontologist and a fellow Rowan grad, and like I shared, the three of us are on the Glassboro campus at the same time. Three kids on campus came together and created something very impactful. And so all of us can do that at any time in our life. And so have a beautiful day and have a beautiful week and hug everybody in your life and have gratitude and kindness because um, it's all just really quite amazing. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Gene, and thank you, Ken. I'm Rick Edelman. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Remember to join me this Tuesday for my virtual event, The Truth About Your Future. Choose either 3 p.m. or 8 p.m. Eastern Time. We've got some critical issues in the country today. The federal debt, rising taxes, the social security funding crisis, debilitating diseases such as Alzheimer's. And I'm going to show you what's going on in the field of medicine and neuroscience, artificial intelligence, robotics, 3D printing big data, nanotech, biotech, bioinformatics, and how all these exponential technologies are going to pave the way to a solution for us going forward. It's this Tuesday for the truth about your future, 3 p.m. or 8 p.m. Eastern. Register online right now for free at ricedelman.com. That's rickedelman.com.